Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to amplify the voices of those women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. So I happen to know our guest today, at least through, um, you know, in the past few months, we've gotten to know each other over the phone. I don't often know my guests, but I'm super excited to say you're going to love her. Welcome to the show, Rachel Barner. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be here today. Well, I know we had to postpone because yours truly got sick, but I'm feeling much better. And I think you're going to have a better host in me today than you would have prior. <laughs> so tell well, us a little bit about yourself, Rachel. Well, goodness, where do you start in those big open questions? Um, I am a born and bred, educated and raised Chicagoan. Uh, I grew up three blocks east of where we live now in a little neighborhood called Lincoln Park which is kind of nestled between Wrigley Field and the Lincoln Park Zoo. What a uh, place to grow up. Yeah, it, it sure is. And it has changed over the, I won't tell you how many years, but over the decades, <laughs> it has changed from, don't you dare cross that street and go any further west to you know, going two miles west of where you were allowed to, to walk nice. when you were, you know back in the early days. So yeah, so I, so I started there. I went to college down on the South side, um, University of Chicago, where I majored in anthropology. Fun. And at some point, Susan, I'll have to tell you why I chose um, that degree of all the others. Um, and then I worked as a consultant and when you know a lot of people did in the 80s and 90s you didn't know what you wanted to be when you grew up and you came from a liberal arts college with an anthropology degree <laughs> so i i became a consultant for a number of years for a now uh, company that you know they were the big eight back then i think they're now the big four and during that excursion, I decided I really did want to become a lawyer. I had taken some time off and decided I was going to try out what other people do for a living before I decided to go do what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. And I became an employment litigator. And I've been doing that for at least two decades. And I have to say, a very, very happy lawyer. I love what I do. I enjoy my clients. I enjoy the challenges. And it continues to challenge me every day. That is so awesome. So, you know, I have to tell you, I have of, of the every 100 friends of mine, 99 of them are lawyers. And of the 99, <laughs> the happiest lawyers are the labor and employment lawyers. I think that you feel like you're um, sort of like I am a loud mouth for DEI, you're, you're doing the right thing, right? So it's something you're proud of doing. You feel good about doing it. Um, they love, uh, uh, many lawyers don't love their jobs, many litigators especially, um, but I find lots of my labor and employment lawyer friends love what they do, and I, I think that's great. Yeah. It is, and you know, I find that true no matter what side you're on. You know, right. I've been defense my entire career, and I look at it as it gives me an opportunity to effectuate change on a larger scale versus a one by one kind of case. But people who do plaintiffs also feel that they're making their impact. Um, I, I think we're, we're all kind of, we're all really working for toward the same goal, even though we're on opposite sides. Yeah. 
the, do the right thing, right? So that's I love right. That. You can feel good about waking up and spending most of your life doing what you're doing. Um, well, let me ask you, you've had a lot of professional accomplishments and you certainly will have many more. I know you, I know you will. What maybe has been your proudest to date? You know, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that. I'm kind of hitting that um, that midlife crisis, as they so say, oh, and figuring out. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah. Um, and trying to decide what is it that makes me happy, what makes me tick, what have I, you know, what am I proud about? And I have to say, you know, there's been, I have been fortunate enough to ver have a very rich career um, that has brought me to a lot of different places, countries. You know, I've I've argued before the appellate courts, I've briefed before the Supreme Courts, all which are very professionally exciting. But I have to say the, mo the, the biggest accomplishment, at least at this phase of my career, is the opportunity to nurture um, and empower junior lawyers, particularly other women, and to be able to be a leader for them has been the most rewarding of my career um, that I can possibly imagine. No, no number of wins in court or um, promotions ha has been able to take over that feeling of knowing I've helped somebody else and I've made a difference in their life. I love that about you. You just you're talking my business model and it's a heart led purpose driven life, right? So I think that, you know, we're now starting to, to show research that backs us up when we say heart led purpose driven work does result in a better bottom line, as well as make you feel good about how you spend your time, attention, money, whatever. Um, so, I true. Love that. so true. I love that. I mean, we should talk more offline because I don't know, I kind of see you fitting in with what we do and maybe um, there might be some, you know, things we could do together. So yeah, I'd, I'd enjoy that. Oh, well, you inspire me. You know that you have, this is why <laughs> I bother you on the phone all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm pinging you all the time. Speaking of inspiration, have you perhaps had a mentor or a sponsor? You know, I would say generally, well, sort of, kind of, yes. <laughs> you like that direct answer? That's you know, I've, I've always heard of that term mentor, sponsor. Um, and I feel like I've never quite had that somebody who would go to bat for you, somebody who would um, pull you up by your bootstraps and assist you through your career. Um, there really hasn't been any one person in that role. And then there have been times over my career, I've asked people um, to, to help with certain things. But I would say, there is one person who has been an inspiration to me and in somewhat a unofficial mentor. And that was my former boss for the past 14 years, a woman by name of Catherine Dittmar. She goes by Rindy. And Rindy was a person to me, it was a healthy relationship of a boss. You know, we started off, at the beginning, her saying, your successes are my successes, so I need you to succeed. 
Yeah. And your failures are my failures. And she really meant it. You know, and when she hired me, she said something, she said two things to me that still stick. And I use that with my team members. One was I hired you because I know you can do the job. I did not hire you to be a sycophant. I did not hire you oh, to I be a yes that. person. Wow. Right. She's like, I expect you to challenge me and disagree. Just don't do it in public. Right. Right. And right? that's what we learned. Criticize me. Right. Criticize me behind doors. That's totally fine. And then the other thing she said to me, which I think really empowers people to achieve at their highest level is you're going to nail 80% of your job. You're just going to hit it out of the park. You're going to do it your day job. You're going to be fine. 20% of it, you're going to screw up. You're going to make a mistake. It was either you didn't ask the right questions, so you didn't elicit the right answers, or you you just, you, you made a mistake. That's okay. Out of that 20%, you know, a small percentage of that, and she said 5%, 5% of that is going to matter. It's how you handle that what 5%. Beautiful, beautiful right? I mean, it is, it goes on though. She's like, well, you know, how you handle that 5% is what differentiates you from everybody else. And if you handle that 5% well, then you will be a rock star. Awesome. She sounds amazing. We need more Rindy. She is amazing. We, meet, we need more Rindy's in our life. That is, that is for certain. I have to tell you, I knew a Rindy growing up and I had never heard that name other than hers until today. Huh. Was she from Michigan? No, <laughs> she's from Baton Rouge, <laughs> Louisiana, but her name was Dorinda and they called her Rindy. So I think that's interesting, Rindy. Um, well, I love the advice that she gave you because it definitely is a healthy, secure uh, supervisor, boss, you know, what have you to say, challenge me, don't just be a sycophant because that is too often the case where people think, and you can't, you can't live your life that way if you're untrue to yourself. It's nice that you had a boss that was like, hey, you know, win or learn, never lose. Come to me with this kind of thing and let's learn together. Um, nice. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, that might be your advice to others, but I'm going to ask you, what kind of advice to, can you give women to support other women in business? Um, I think that's what it is. I think it is giving them um, empowering them to be the best that they can be. And you have to figure out what is it that makes that person tick. Um, and often if you're transparent, I try to be very transparent with my team, men or women. I find that that then gives them the freedom and the comfort level to come to you with questions, ask for help, make mistakes, learn from them. Um, but if you're not transparent, um, if you are secretively competitive, if you you know, don't want other women to succeed and so therefore you um, sabotage it, you know, you're not going to have a healthy relationship, you're not going to have healthy teams, and you're not going to be able to support, you know, other women in business. I love that you said that. That's courageous, because I'll tell you, women who behave that way are plentiful, first of all, but secondarily, they don't experience the success that they ac actually could experience if they were more secure and more collaborative um, with others. So thank you for saying that. I agree with you 1000%. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a big challenge or maybe a setback? Um, and if so, and you're willing to share, how did you overcome that? 
I would say I would. I mean, there's there's different levels and different degrees of setbacks. Um, you know, sometimes things that you think are horrible and terrible at the time, you really realize they aren't. And I would say there's been um, what I thought were setbacks at the time, but really it was the it was the universe or whatever you believe in um, way to say I'm going to shake you up and and um, force you to become introspective and try to re-image yourself. And that would be uh, losing a job, um, being let go from a job. You know, you think at the time it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And you're feeling, you know, I remember feeling that I was a failure. And uh, I remember even at the time my husband asked me, what did you do to make that happen? Oh. He has since, of course, 20 years later has, uh, <laughs> <laughs> continues to apologize over that because it frankly it was the best thing that could have happened to me I was miserable in what I was doing I knew that I was miserable I remember my husband saying to me one day um, I didn't marry you to be my first wife I married you to be my only wife and these 16 hour days seven, six seven days a week isn't going to cut it you've got to figure out balance and it forced me to figure out what was important, what I enjoyed about my job or didn't enjoy, what I wanted to do. Um, because, you know, and sorry if I, as I ramble on here. No, um, I love this because a lot of women go through this. They need to hear what happened yeah. and what perspective. You know, I, I, I had always knew, I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And I started shaping my life at a very early age, not quite like former President Obama shaped his, but I shaped my life making decisions, knowing where I wanted to end up, not knowing what kind of person I wanted to be or what kind of happiness I wanted to have, but what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, that entailed you know, all the right schools, all the right studying habits, all the right connections. It also in, um, came out with a, an ulcer by the time I was 18, 19. And, wow. um, you know, it's just things that you self-impose. Right. And so I put on my blinders and I went forward and I did what I wanted to do and accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And I was terribly, terribly miserable in it. Um, and because I was miserable, I probably also wasn't doing the best I could do, I probably wasn't a rock star at it. And so when I was let go, it was the lowest I had felt because I felt that my dream had collapsed. And looking back at it now, it was a blessing. And my dream slightly changed and I became, you know, this happy lawyer, happy wife, happy parent that I am now. That is so beautiful. I want to say, um, if it's not your passion and you're still getting paid to do it, even if the world needs it, then it's not enough, right? So the ikigai, which is a Japanese word for purpose and passion, it's it's a Venn diagram where your, mm -hmm. your passion, what you're good at doing, the world needs what you do, and you get paid for it. That's where all these things come together. If any one of those things is missing, then the universe is telling you to move on, right? So... That's it right. gave you an opportunity to find what's a better fit for you. Um, so I think that story is more common than women like to lead people to believe uh, because of the reasons you said earlier, they feel like they're a failure. But I'm gonna tell you something. 
I'm an entrepreneur by, you know, my mind, I, my, my hands work hard to make new and different things happen and very visionary, big picture person. That doesn't always work in like, for example, a law firm setting or a legal department setting where things are written, it is written and so shall it be, you know? <laughs> it's That's not right. so true. <laughs> yes. And, 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 you know, this is how we've done it for 175 years, say all the old white leaders, right? And old white lawyers, I call them owls because they're wise, but they may not be quite as wise as they think. And, and we know the difference between knowledge and wisdom is experience. So if you don't have new and different experiences, how can you claim that this is the way it should be, right? So try new things, do it different ways. You know, what works for one person may not work for another. What worked in the 50s probably doesn't work in the 90s or 2000s. So um, to say that's not how we do it here is just not acceptable for me as an entrepreneurial spirited person. Um, and as a purpose-driven, heart-led person. Um, so I struggled a lot in at least my last law firm where I worked uh, because daily you would hear someone tell someone else, that's just not the blank way, right? And I was mm -hmm. like, that's just, you know, that's using professionalism in such a way that you're biased against everybody who's not an old white male, right? Um, but they didn't want to hear that, nor would anybody, of course, nor, you know, and I think we're seeing a lot of that across the country. But I tell you this story because when I was finally out of there, I was looking at my hard drive on my laptop and I found a resignation letter that I'd put together three months after I started. And it was this time, <laughs> you know, I stayed a year and two months, you know, I should have, you know, something <laughs> telling me this is not for me. But I just think that's so funny. And I kept the letter after I found it. And I said, you know, this is a reminder that we need to trust our gut and trust our instinct and our intuition and you know, um, it's okay that it didn't work out. It's okay that you don't have to be, this This isn't the era in our history where women have to stay in a bad situation, right? There are so many people out that there. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Well, let me ask you this. So um, this is the point in my show where I've started doing something different that you may, you may not have heard of yet if you haven't listened to my podcast, but it's called the wild card question. So I want to ask a question without your knowing what the question is. Are you okay with that? Sure. Oh, I love that about you. You are one of the most courageous people I've ever, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm pulling a card out. It says, uh, what are three key things you really need to be happy in life? That I need or or people in general. This is all about you, my friend. Oh, I love it. All about me. What are, what are the three things that I need to be happy in life? Yes. All right. I need my son to be healthy, productive, and a good member of society. I know that might be three right there, but I need him to just to be a good, to continue to be a, the good soul that he is. I love that. You know, my answer was the, my first answer to that same question is all about my son being happy, healthy, safe, and strong. Exactly. We yep. put our kids first. Yeah. I love that. Carry on. What's next? Nope. And, and it's surprising because I was the person who never wanted children and oh, bought wow. it for 17 years with my husband before we decided to have him. And, um, I, I just, every day I feel blessed and I'm amazed and he makes, he's made me a better lawyer. He's made me a more patient person, a, 
a better spouse, a better friend. Um, he's really changed me and impacted me more than I think I have him in many ways. So definitely him. What a beautiful gift in your life. I feel that way about my son. I love being a boy mom. Yeah, it's, it's great. All right, so I feel, now I have to think of two other things that yes, make me happy did. in life. Two other things um, that make you happy in life. Uh, being active. You know, uh, it is something that has tied my husband and I together even nice. before I met him. Being able, you were, you at one point shared a story with me that you were spending time in Santa Barbara. And I will say that is my number one happy place, taking a run on the beach and watching the seals follow me as I go, or just a hike in the mountains with my husband. Being outdoors and enjoying that space, um, right. I would need to, to be happy. And then third... And this is a hard one. And I would tell you that prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, I'd probably have a different answer than oh, I do now. Um, and I think the third is just is having a sense of peacefulness in my body, my heart, my soul, um, and comfort with who I am and what I have. I love that. Isn't that called self-actualization and spiritual maturity that's probably a much more eloquent and succinct way to say what i just babbled yeah <laughs> no i love what you said i think people go all their lives and don't recognize the need for that and so they don't work toward it and i also think your story about having been fired so many years ago we need to learn from that as well to say be present be here now don't be attached to the outcome that's right that sure is right. I think a lot of us are learning that over these past eight months too. Um, you can't control everything and that really is okay, even for control freaks like me. And my husband. Learning to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> learning to let go and accepting that. Um, and I challenge myself every day with that, um, with that point. Just so you know, he too is a litigator. So I think that that might be a thread, right? I, a little I think bit it of is a control. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but somehow I surround myself. I have a love hate with lawyers, yet I surround myself with them. So I think I have more love than hate. <laughs> um, and look, he 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 like you has learned over the years. You know, control what you can, let the rest roll off. But it took a while. It took a while, especially since he's military. It took a long while. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm his life force when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> He's never even used the phrase spiritual maturity <laughs> in his life. <laughs> maybe he'll get there. Keep working. Maybe, on maybe. Um, I don't know how much wine will I have to drink for him to get there. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you are so awesome. I feel like my, my eyes are watering because I've been smiling so hard. My cheeks are burning. It's just great to hear your voice. You, you have changed, I think, since we first chatted, right? So I think so. Yeah, yeah. I love this. We're going to have to have you back and see the new Rachel in a year from now. And then the year after that, <laughs> it's well, like watching you, you grow. Susan. <laughs> you are too kind. You you are definitely too kind. And I do look forward to connecting with you offline and seeing how we can um, continue this great relationship together. Definitely. I have great ideas, or I think they're greater. I wouldn't share them, but 
<laughs> they might suck. Who knows? I don't know. I think they're pretty good. But um, you're an awesome person. I'd love to keep you in my life and um, share you with my network. And I just think you're terrific. And I'm so glad you took time out of your schedule to be with us today. Well, thank you so much. And thanks to your team. You bet. You bet. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening in and look for the blog that I'm going to write about Rachel within a week and a half. I'll put it up on my website and then we'll share it on social and Rachel, you can tag your friends and share it as well. Okay. We'll do. All right, everybody have a good day. Thank you.